Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. John chapter 20, we're going to read four verses. I'm reading from the NIV translation, and uh, I am an expository preacher, which means we are going to read the scriptures, stop and go, and we're going to let the text uh, do all the talking. So I'm just a messenger. I'm going to repeat what is in the Bible. Verse 24, John chapter 20, reads like this. Now Thomas also known as Didymus, one of the 12 was not with the disciples when Jesus came. Okay? If you're taking notes, before P. Diddy, there was T. Diddy. Right there. Thomas, also known as Didymus. T. Diddy. Right there in the Bible. It says that he was not with the disciples, he was not with the disciples when Jesus came. I grew up watching a program on PBS called Where in the World Is... So y'all didn't have cable either. (laughs) Where in the world is Thomas? Bible tells us that he was not with the disciples, which begs the question, where in the world is Thomas? And if you know your Bibles, you know that the reason why Thomas was not with the disciples was because Jesus was crucified on the cross. Thomas experienced cosmic disappointment. And so Thomas does what you and I do sometimes, that when we experience cosmic disappointment, when things happen in our lives that don't line up with our faith, don't line up with our belief system, we run away, we pull back, we fall off, because we just need to get away. This is where Thomas finds himself. This is where, if you're honest, you may find yourself this morning. You could be physically in this building, but in your heart, be millions of miles away from Jesus and away from community. The Bible says that he's not with the disciples. Next verse reads, verse 25, so the other disciples, if you actually have a Bible that you can underline, you want to go ahead and underline other disciples. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. I want you to know that when disciples are missing in action, the other disciples move into action. I love the other disciples. I want you and I to be like the other disciples because when they sat at the table, there was somebody missing from the table. 
And I love that the other disciples are not comfortable with the idea that there are people missing from their fellowship, people missing from their community. I love these other disciples because they don't just stay in the boat. They're not just happy that they're with Jesus. No, these other disciples move into action and they are like the disciples that I want you and I to be, the hide your kids, hide your wife, we gonna find you kind of disciples. Because the Bible says that they move into action. The Bible says that they hit the streets. The, the, the Bible says that they are on the move and it is implicit in the text, but we know that they found Thomas. And when they found him, I don't hear any talk about finger pointing. I don't hear an interview. I don't hear any nagging. I don't hear any sarcasm. Oh, look what the wind blew in. I don't hear any of that. What the Bible tells us is that they testify. They gossip the gospel. They tell Thomas, we have seen the Lord. In other words, I know the last time you saw him, he was on the cross. The last time you saw him, he was being whipped. The last time you saw him, he was being crucified. But we are here to bring you good news and to testify that we saw him. We have seen the Lord. I want you to know that you have life on your lips. I want you to know that God wants to use you to speak life into somebody's dead situation. I love these disciples. They're not comfortable with the safety of the presence of Jesus. No, not these disciples. They go and find Thomas and they testify. They gossip the gospel. They talk about what they've seen. They talk about what they know. Can I encourage you that in your dealings, in your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday living, ask the Holy Spirit to lead you. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you, possibly to a disciple that might be missing in action. Maybe somebody that used to be on the worship team, used to come to the church, used to be involved in ministry, and maybe because of some cosmic disappointment, maybe they fell off, but I love the other disciples who wants to be like the other disciples that you're not comfortable, that you're safe, and that you got your seat? Because there's somebody out there that needs what you got. Amen. And so these other disciples move into action, and they find them, and they testify. But listen to what, listen to what Thomas says in response but he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and I put my finger where the nails were and I put my hand in his side, listen to this declaration, I will not believe. Can I tell you that sometimes when you bring Jesus to someone, 
To bring up Jesus is to bring up the disappointment. Because for some people, their disappointment is directly connected to Jesus. Sometimes connected to the church. Sometimes connected to some bad experience. And so what we find here, and you've got to love Thomas for this. We're going to celebrate him in just a moment. But I love Thomas. I think he was from Brooklyn. And I think he was half Puerto Rican, half Dominican like me. Because Thomas, he got no shame in his game. Thomas is not a fake it till you make it kind of brother. He's a keep it real, keep it gully on the streets for real on a hundred. He basically says to the disciples, I heard your little testimony and that's cute. And that might be true for you, but check this out, fam. I'm hurting. I'm disappointment. So if that's really true, tell your man Jesus to come find me. And when he come holler at me and show me the holes in his hands and the hole, then I, then I might believe. But let me just warn you about something. You got to be careful what you say. Because I don't know what your thoughts about Jesus are. You know, sometimes the movies don't do good, but my Jesus, he not a little punk picking lilies with his friends in the field. You talk junk and you think Jesus is not present. I want you to put this little clue in your pocket. We're going to get it in about five minutes because Thomas remind me of like when I was a little kid and my parents sent me to the room and I'm like, you know what? And I'm talking all this junk in the room like, yeah, I ain't nothing. And then my mom walking in the room, what you say? I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll, I love you and I'm really just happy to see you. Because it's amazing how much junk we talk when we think authority's not present. How we become the authority on our situation, like we know better. And so we give God the business and we talk to other people and we give them the business like God ain't listening. Thomas actually forgot that although Jesus was not present, he was omnipresent. So the Bible tells us that Thomas says, um, tell him to come holler at me. I need to see it for myself. Where's that keyboard player? Where he at? He left? He still here? Where you at, brother? What's his name? Giovanni, come up here, bro. What is it, Rodney? Ronnie, I just turned you into Italian. <laughs> it was Staten Island. I'm like, Giovanni, Staten Island? Yeah, it kind of works. <laughs> Somebody go find him. Tell him to come up here. Verse 26. He probably like the preacher already calling up. That's a miracle. Preacher ain't never finished that fast. I'm not finished. I'm almost finished. Not finished yet. Verse 26. A week later. Turn to your neighbor and say, a week later. A week later, his disciples were in the house again. <laughs> and Thomas was with them. So we started off this morning, everybody looking for Thomas. Where's Thomas? Thomas. 
the disciples go and find him. The disciples go and find him. And the Bible says a week later, a week later, when the disciples gathered in the house again, Thomas is in the building. Do you know that you could say something to someone this week that can impact their next week? Do you know that in a few moments we're going to have an opportunity to give and we're going to give this week so that somebody could have an opportunity to meet Jesus next week? Right there. All we need is some other disciples. We don't even know their names because it doesn't matter. God's just looking for some willing vessels, some people that are willing to get outside of themselves and not just worry about their relationship with Jesus or what they're getting out of the sermon or what church is doing for them, but rather what can we do to go get some other people, to go find some other disciples, to go reach some other people in the region. And we learn from the text that because the disciples testified a week later, about a week ago, week ago, right there. <laughs> in the building. Why? Because some disciples testified. Because some disciples were willing to gossip the gospel. And so now Thomas is in the house. Let's keep reading. Though the doors were locked, <laughs> Jesus came, stood among them, and said, peace be with you. Check it out. Look up here. You got to love this. Ain't no ring in the bell. Ain't no knock on the door. The Bible says that the doors were locked. I love this verse because it reminds me of people that come to church and their doors are locked. They came because the wife dragged them or the husband dragged them, but check this out. They come to church with the stank attitude. They got their arms crossed with the thing and they looking at the watch like when the preacher gonna be done. Check this out. Jesus has so much swag, watch this. You don't even have to be open to him. If he wants you, hide your kids, hide your wife, hide your pastor, he going to find you. The Bible says that he came in the room. Now, I know that Jesus is humble, and so this didn't happen, but I just got to get this off my chest. If this was me. And I told the disciples, yo, some stuff's going to go down, but I'm coming back. And they didn't believe me. I would have been thinking all about my entrance. I would have been like, boom, look who stepped in the room. Like, man, I would have just went big, like, go big or go home. But the Bible says that Jesus just slipped in. Doors were locked because they were afraid. Doors were locked because they didn't know what to expect. But I love that Jesus is not limited even by doubt, even by disappointment, even by the things that we do to lock ourselves in, the, the fences we build. 
to keep God and people out, Jesus is like, I'm not scared of you, homie. I'm not scared of your doubt. I'm not scared of your hurt. I'm not scared of your attitude. I'm not scared of you. I love you. So I'm going to push past all of that because I'm trying to get to your heart. So I love that he walks in and he like, hey, everybody, peace. Right? Verse 27. Then. Church your neighbor say, then. This is the part in the movie where the soundtrack changes. This is the part when, like, when you're not paying attention, your, your palms start to get a little sweaty because you know it's about to be on like popcorn. Right here. Church your neighbor say, then. Then he said to Thomas, You know like when somebody walk in the room and they talk to the class but they look for that one person? This is that moment. Everybody got peace. Jesus is like, I love everybody. But I'm telling you, there are times where Jesus is like, I'm coming to church to talk to everybody, but then I'm trying to talk to some people by name. I'm trying to call you out. Not to embarrass you because I love you that much. Listen to this. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Look up here. Where's that clue? Is it in your pocket? Take it out your pocket. Remember I told you to put it in your pocket? The clue? Did you listen to me? Yeah, all right, come on, let's take it out. Take it out, take it out. Take the clue out. When Thomas was talking all that junk, was Jesus there? So how does Jesus know what Thomas said over there if he wasn't there? It was because he was there. God knows what you said last night. He knows what you said the other day. He knows what you said in your prayer closet. He knows. And in this atmosphere, he turns to Thomas. Can you, can you imagine how Thomas must have been feeling just for a hot minute? Like, how you... this morning in this atmosphere, you're like, you don't even come to my church, Mr. Um, what's your name? How are you? It's not that we know, it's that God knows. It's the Holy Spirit knows. And so the reason why you feel like I might be the only person in this room is because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He takes, he customizes the experience so you feel like, oh, you did this for everybody, but you actually did all of it for me. And then Thomas said, You are my Lord, and you are my God. Can I just tell you that um, whenever Jesus shows up in your life in a very explicit way, my Lord and my God is a good response. Surrender is always the appropriate response when Jesus comes to reveal himself to you in such a particular way. And in a moment, I want to give us an opportunity to, um, to, uh, to pray that way for some of you. I believe that this message is for us as a church this morning, for some of you in the community. But I absolutely do believe that there are people out there that God wants to give them a custom-tailored design but it will happen 
in this space. So the reason why we give is so that we can create opportunities so that people can come into the space like in that space so that Jesus could show up however he wants and speak to people. That's why people say, man, I felt like God spoke to me like the pastor was reading my mail. We're not that good, folks, but here's what I can tell you. If you can get your family and your friends and your neighbors into the presence of the Lord, and if you can volunteer and serve and keep singing and keep playing instruments and keep volunteering and keep helping with the youth and keep serving coffee, more people and more people and more people will come. Why? So that we can be a big church? No, so that people can have an encounter with Jesus. So that they can have an encounter with Jesus. I know that this is a hard to give weekend, and so I just want to say one more thing, and then we'll pray. How, how am I doing on time? I'm good? Hey, what does it mean when a preacher looks at his watch? Nothing. <laughs> a corny Christian joke. I like to work and just keep working and see if the material works. I just keep using it. <laughs> hey, I wanna um, I wanna read this. I heard a great a great man of God uh, say this a few weeks ago in a message he preached. He said, "Greatness is not determined by how far you can run, but how far you're willing to run on behalf of others." Greatness is not using people to get money, but using our money to serve people. That was your pastor. He said that a few weeks ago. How many of you know the verse, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength? Let me see your hands. Yeah, 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 cool. Um, how many of you have ever quoted that verse like before you had to do something? Let me see your hand, right? Right, your first time making turkey, people coming over Thanksgiving, you're like Santo, you anoint the, the turkey with oil. I could do all things through Christ, you do the sign of the cross, you're trying to work that thing, you wanted to come out good, right? Right? Or or like the kids, you know, they're playing sports, they're like, yo, I can do all things through Christ, Steph Curry. He put on his sneakers. I'ma just I'm gonna quote that verse. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Right? They run to the basket, they try to dunk and, and they can't dunk. I've heard this verse quoted in every context except the context that it was actually given. Listen to this. The Apostle Paul, when he said, I can do all things through Christ, he was in the middle of a financial conversation. Let me read the verse. Philippians 4, beginning with verse 11. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. Verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You know, in all my years of being in ministry, I don't think I ever heard anybody say, I can be generous through Christ who gives me strength. I can tithe through Christ who gives me strength. I can be generous through Christ who gives me strength. I can be sacrificial through Christ who gives me strength. I can do something 
through Christ who gives me strength. I can serve in ministry through Christ who gives me strength. Can I encourage you this morning, church? Let's stop saying what we can't do. Let's start claiming the strength that we have available to us in Jesus And let's start declaring what we can do. I believe that every single person in this room can grab a hold of the strength of Jesus to do something. Why am I taking the time to unpack this? If you ever try to do anything out of manipulation or coercion, listen to me, church. It will only last as long as the coercion and the manipulation lasts. The Apostle Paul said, it is the love of Christ that compels me. Joaquin and I were talking about this this morning. He's one of our young guns. He's traveling with me today. And I said, you know, I love when people get up on Sundays and they encourage me to give. And I hear testimonies about what God has done. And we always do that because we want to just keep reminding people how good and how faithful. But I got to be honest with you. um, If none of that happened, I'm still coming to church on Sunday and I'm grabbing my tithing envelope and we're going to give online and we're going to do it because the Bible says And what I love about that model of ministry is that once you get it in you, it becomes a way of life. And that's where the maturity and the growth comes from. So listen, I'm telling you right now, I'm excited about this Sunday. But you know what I'm equally concerned about? The other 51 Sundays of the year. Because what would be the point if you absolutely smash this offering this Sunday and then the rest of the year your giving looks like the cyclone in Coney Island. If giving is part of our call, then it's part of our call 52 Sundays, 24 hours, 7 days a week. It becomes a way of life and so these these days are really just excuses to do what's already in our heart. But in order for you and I to do that, we got to claim the strength of Jesus. And I don't know about you, if I don't have the strength to do something, we're not going to fake it till we make it. We're going to go to God and we're going to say, God, I'm frugal. I'm cheap. I struggle. I don't know how to do this. I got these bills. How can I do this? When I got this, church should be taking an offering for me. Okay. And it takes one to know one. I've been there in all those seasons of my life, but you know what I've come to learn? If I just go to God and I'm just honest and I say, I need your help, all of a sudden I get strength for the moment. We're doing things now that we weren't doing five years ago that we weren't doing 10 years ago. No judgment-free zone. Ain't nobody pointing fingers. This ain't like, this ain't, you just got to keep it real. You just go to God and say, God, I need help. I don't really get this. I don't really understand this. And I'm telling you, if you humble yourself, the Bible says that there's strength for your giving. Can I tell you one more story and then we'll, we'll get to some time of prayer? Um, when I was, um, so you guys know that um, I've been on staff at Christ Tabernacle for um, a really long time. And uh, I'm a first generation Christian. I gave my heart to the Lord in Sunday school at Christ Tabernacle and then um, became best friends with the, with the Durso boys. And I was immediately engrafted into that family I became the the fourth the fourth brother in the family and the rest is history um, but um, one day when um, I, you know I went to the house to stay over one weekend and I never left um, I, uh, I just became a, a permanent fixture in the house and uh, Christ Tabernacles our story 
was birthed out of generosity. Some of you may know this if, if you do. Just bear with me. Um, our overseer is Pastor Jim Simbola, Brooklyn Tabernacle. 30 years ago, someone gave him a building with $30,000 in the bank. They said you could have the building and the money as long as you promise to oversee that church as long as you live. That's how Christ Tabernacle was born. Pastor Simbola and the team, they began to pray. They picked Pastor Durso and Maria, and they made them the pastors of Christ Tabernacle. And we just celebrated our 32nd anniversary, and they're still there. Christ Tabernacle started because of generosity. Generosity is in our DNA. Generosity is a way of life. Generosity is in our loins. Watch this. I can tell you hundreds of stories like this, but I'll just tell you one. When we were moving out of the little building over in 543 Leonard Street in Brooklyn to move into the building that we have now, one day um, I saw Mom Durso with jewelry all over the bed. So I come in the room, I'm like, hey, Mom, what are you doing? She's like, I'm looking for some of the jewelry that I inherited from my family because I'm trying to sell some of the jewelry for the building fund. Now, I'm a teenager. I don't have a job. So I'm like, if the pastor wife selling some jewelry, I got a ring and a chain. So I'm going I'm to sell my, my jewelry. I'm going to go. I went to Myrtle Avenue. That's where our church is. And I got $80 for the ring and the chain. $80. Turn to your neighbor and say $80. I went to the church. I filled out the envelope. I put the $80 in. I can't tell you how proud I was because I'm, I'm like, I feel grown. Like, I'm getting to participate in something that's bigger than me. So I put the $80 in the building fund. And if you ever come to Christ Tabernacle on a Sunday, and I usually sit in the front, if you notice, sometimes I'm just looking around. And I'm not worshiping. I got to be honest with you. You know what I'm thinking about? I'm thinking about my $80. I helped pay for this place. Look at how far my $80 is gone here. Look at there, look at here, look at here. And I say that, I tell that story, yeah, partly to be humorous, but the other side of it is I could do something. And your pastors led the charge by saying, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna lay the seed, we're gonna lay the groundwork, we're gonna, we're gonna get this thing started. And I just love that regardless of your age and regardless of your stage and regardless of the season of life you're in, we all get to participate. And all these years later, I was probably 18 years old. I'm 40 years old now. I'm still telling that story because of how defining of a moment that was for me. So I know in a few moments we're going to have a, an opportunity to give and celebrate and so honored to have had the privilege to be here with all of you on this, on this very special day. Uh, but could I invite you to, to bow your heads at this time? We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com slash give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.